while I was on cabinet, I was part of a flight that took Russian Jews to Israel. And I was on the plane. And um, that is indelibly etched in my mind. But what that also reminds me of um, is that I cut my teeth on real leadership in cabinet. And it gave me the confidence to go on to do the things I've done in Los Angeles and nationally. Shalom, it's Carrie Miller and Barra Lane, your National Young Leadership Cabinet 2021-2022 Impact Chairs, and welcome to the Hebra Connect Podcast. We are thrilled to bring you an opportunity to get to know our Hevra, who we are and why we give. Welcome. I'm your host, Zach Garber, a third-year Hevre from Baltimore. Today, I'm very excited to share another episode of Hevre Connect, and I have the honor and privilege of interviewing Julie Platt. Julie is from Wichita, Kansas, and she is the incoming chair or chair-elect of the Jewish Federations of North America, and will be starting in June, and she is a proud cabinet alum. So we're so excited to have her as a cabinet alum on this podcast, and I think a great starting point would be, Julie, just to learn a little bit about your background. Sure, and thank you, Zach, so much for having me. So, yes, as you said, I was born in Wichita, Kansas. It's one of the few places that when you say that, you are not barraged with, do you know? And when that does happen, it's very exciting if somebody knows someone else from Wichita. <laughs> um, I, um, I really grew up in a Federation family. It was an organic decision on my part to become as involved as I am I'm one of four siblings, and we are all deeply engaged in the Jewish world, and we're all four cabinet alums, and we're all very proud of that fact. I sort of cut my teeth on young leadership at the University of Pennsylvania, where I ran the student UJA campaign on campus, became very involved in New York City, which was my first landing place after college, and in the very early part of my young leadership journey, I was honored and privileged to be invited onto National Young Leadership Cabinet. And one of the things I will tell you that has gone on to serve me through my entire adult life is the fact that I was asked on as a member of the New York City delegation. And between the time I was asked to join cabinet and the time I actually did join cabinet, I moved to Los Angeles. And the fact that I was welcomed with such open arms from the minute one by the cabinet community in Los Angeles has really informed my communal life, my social life, and um, continues to be such an important part of my network from coast to coast. And I truly have experienced it from coast to coast. Well, that's an incredible story. And I'm excited to learn more about some of the things that you did and, and your time in cabinet. Before we go into what you're doing in the, the Jewish world, can you share a little bit more just about yourself, uh, maybe professionally? We have a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are members of cabinets and others that are growing their career. Certainly. So I came out of the University of Pennsylvania and went into a commercial bank training program at Bankers Trust Company in New York City and um, was a corporate lending officer there. And then ultimately 
just after giving birth to my first of what would become five children, um, I didn't want to be on the road with Bankers Trust, which I was as a corporate lending officer. And I pivoted to becoming the director of their corporate lending program, which had trained me and did that until I moved to New York to uh, Los Angeles with my husband, who had received an, a wonderful offer um, in the entertainment community in Los Angeles and was lucky enough, and I really feel lucky enough, to then spend all my time, as I have for really the last very many years, in communal service and um, no longer working in the for-profit world. And you, you mentioned the entertainment world. Obviously, for anyone who's listening, they may be familiar with some of your family, as your family has been extremely talented and successful in the entertainment world. And I, I think it's rare when we hear about success stories where people in entertainment balance family life and are so active philanthropically, not just with dollars, but with their time. So can you just share a little bit about how you're able to to stay beneath the fold with everything that your family is involved in uh, kind of outwardly? My husband and I were very intentional about it. We knew that the world in which he found himself as we were raising our children was um, not necessarily grounded in the same values that we wanted to surround our children with. And so we made a decision early on to put our children in Jewish day school and to send them to Jewish summer camp. I'm a product of Jewish summer camp. I'm a Camp Ramah alum and my five children are Camp Ramah alums. And now my grandchildren have begun at Camp Ramah. And I firmly believed that the combination of a Jewish summer camp experience and a Jewish day school experience would cocoon them long enough to understand the values that we hoped them to be raised with. And then by our actions. And I have been engaged in Federation life, as has my husband, through the entertainment division in Los Angeles and actually nationally as a speaker, that they would get the message. And um, I'm very proud to say that my oldest daughter and her husband are members of National Young Leadership Cabinet. Nothing can make one more proud than that. My remaining four children are deeply involved in Jewish communal life through the Federation um, and many other things, particularly Camp Ramah, but very much through the Federation. My son Jonah has been in every young leadership program that the Federation offers, and my other children are on committees and engaged very much with Jewish communal life. My, my youngest son Henry is part of one of the organizations that we seeded here in Los Angeles called JQ, which is a space for Jewish LGBTQ young adults. They all got the message because for all of us, it's very much been a joyful experience to be part of the community. Uh, Rabbi Eddie Feinstein, who's a rabbi in California, calls it joyful Judaism. And I think my children have experienced joyful Judaism from a very young age and have understood the meaning that I have found in Jewish communal life and have gone on to lead that themselves. And I'm, I'm thrilled with that. Well, I love the idea of joyful Judaism and all the things that y you have done, I think, are uh, great examples to a lot of the people in cabinet are, are, have young families, so can learn from your success. I want to talk about some of the specific 
specific initiatives that you're involved with as it relates to the Federation before we talk about what your vision is. I know that you have been involved in the Live Secure campaign. Can you just share what is the Live Secure campaign as well as, you know, the plan and why why you've been involved with that? Absolutely. We began the Live Secure initiative in 2021 uh, very much as a response to the rising anti-Semitism that we are all extremely aware of and felt that JFNA, Jewish Federations of North America, was uniquely poised to try to take care of the North American Jewish community through providing the funding necessary to make sure that all of our communities will secure. And by that, I mean that I don't think you can have flourishing Jewish life and enjoy that joyful Judaism if you're afraid to walk through the door or enter a space where Judaism is taking place. So we took it upon ourselves to begin a three-year initiative. We first found incredibly generous funders, 38 of them to be exact, who helped raise over $60 million to be part of a national pool. And I just want to shout out here to Aaron and Lindsay, who joined me from the very beginning in saying, how can cabinet help? And how can we be part of Live Secure? And, and I think in phase two, cabinet will become even more instrumental and important to what we're trying to accomplish. So the first phase was to raise this national pool and it will now become available to every federation in North America in a two-to-one match. And the grants will be either to begin a security initiative or to enhance an existing initiative, which already exists in about a third of the communities. And that what that means is from assessment of the needs in every organization that sits in the catchment area of a federation to actually training and advising what it would take to secure that community. And I think we will be very successful in doing it. It's not going to be overnight, but it is urgent. And we uh, won't rest until we've completed the task of providing security for every community across North America. And that that is such an important topic today, as you mentioned, with the rising anti-Semitism and security concerns all around the world, um, as we've seen what's happened in Israel this week. Uh, with some of the stabbings yeah. and other things, as well as, you know, we can look at what's been happening in, in North America, which I, I doubt my grandmother, my parents, myself would have ever imagined in this country. As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you are the chair-elect for the JFNA um, <clears throat> of all of the Jewish federations of North America. Can you share what, what your vision is uh, for what you hope to accomplish in the role? We, I would say we not just me, are beginning to formulate those plans um, in partnership with the, my professional partners and my team of officers. Uh, but what I will say is it won't be radically different from the incredible work that Mark Wilf has led for the last four years. But there'll be some emphasis that I can say will be just slightly different because I want to take on an initiative that we have not done, which is focused on women. And I'm lucky enough to be uh, the second woman to hold this position, but also sort of surprised that almost the first question, and Zach, thanks for not being this, but almost the first question in every single interview I've been in is, what does it feel like to be the second woman? 
And I would love to get us just a further, a little bit further along to that not being the question, that it becomes much more commonplace to find women in the highest leadership roles. And so um, I will be thinking a lot about that. And really in reaction to the fact that I was sort of surprised that that is such a topic for both men and women who I've discussed this position with. I think also we are uniquely poised because, not because any of the Israeli governments before were not focused on this, but even more so now because Isaac Herzog, the president of Israel, comes from his role at the Jewish agency. Nachman Shai, who's the minister of of the diaspora, was engaged with the Jewish agency. Both of them, along with a host of others, really have an emphasis on wanting to improve Israel-Diaspora relations, and not so much the the American community going to Israel, which of course, thank God, is now being unlocked, but equally that Israelis understand a little bit what it looks like. So I think you'll see a little bit more in that area as well. But honestly, Zach, for the next year, I think our efforts will be focused on completing Live Secure. I think top of mind not only for the short term, but medium term and long term is going to be the ramifications of Ukraine in resettlement, in taking care of refugees, in God willing, someday rebuilding the Jewish community in Ukraine. There's so much work to be done. We've already raised, you know, near $50 million. I'm sure it'll be quadruple that by the time we finish. So that will certainly be a priority. Finishing Lift Secure will be a priority. We don't want to forget the fact that there are Ethiopian Jews that still are waiting for Aliyah. Um, We have Holocaust survivors that still need our support. All of these are things that JFNA cares about. So um, it's going to be a really busy time. And um, I'm proud to be part of the leadership of this busy time for Jews. Absolutely. And my my grandmother actually is a Holocaust survivor and was from Czechoslovakia, which is part of modern day Ukraine. So I'm glad you brought that up. Oh my goodness. Um, Oh my goodness. It's always, it's so top of mind and it kind of hits, hits home personally, you know, thinking back to your time at cabinet, I I think it might've been the same time. So I apologize if it wasn't the exact timeline, but maybe some of the corollaries in terms of what you saw with the Soviet jury in, in terms of what was happening with Natan Sharansky, uh, I believe in the eighties and nineties, um, and how that, uh, you know, the similarities are what we're seeing with the corollaries to what's happening in modern day Ukraine. Such a good question. So I'm going to say three things about that. The first is, um, I'm so glad the Washington conference is coming back and I applaud cabinet leadership in helping to make that so because we as cabinet members felt empowered and spurred to advocacy because of the Washington conference. That's happening now with the Advocacy Corps and um, the Washington Conference and our work in lobbying for everything that can help in this situation. You know, it, it reminds me of the fact that while I was on cabinet, I was part of a flight that took Russian Jews to Israel and I was on the plane and um, that is indelibly etched in my mind. But what that also reminds me of Um, is that I cut my teeth on real leadership in cabinet and it gave me the confidence to go on to do the things I've done in Los Angeles and nationally. 
And to anybody listening who is a part of cabinet, this is an opportunity for you to step forward, to say yes, to offer your leadership, because it's a great training ground, confidence builder, and leadership experience that is unique to that cabinet experience that I'm so grateful for. When you fast forward 10 years from now and look back at what you were able to accomplish through the Federation, JFNA, and just personally and professionally, what would you consider success? What do you want your legacy to look like? I hope I will look back and we will have an extremely effective leadership pipeline. And we didn't really talk about that, but that is one of the things that I'm very focused on. Meaning, easy into leadership and easy transition to a meaningful participation when you're finished with a key leadership job. I want to do, I want to help to make both those things happen. I find as much as people are saying to me, and so many people have reached out to me since my job became public, of I want to be part of anything that you'll ask me to be part of. Those are equally young leaders and people who have finished being a campaign chair, uh, the chair of their federation, the chair of their national women's philanthropy, who don't want it to go away, who have found so much meaning in it. I want very much to try to be part of establishing a really good pipeline, which we've already begun, of course. I want to make sure that we continue our work on the professional side, making sure that we do everything possible to grow, appreciate, develop professional talent pipeline. Um, I want to be finished with Live Secure that, so that we're focused on the flourishing Jewish community and not the safety of the Jewish community. And I want there to not be the question of you're the second woman. So I'd say those would be some of the keys. You mentioned that growing up in Wichita and then with, with your personal family growing up that you, you've always been so involved and deeply seated in Jewish tradition. We always like to ask, what are some Jewish traditions that your family does that are indelible in terms of memories you've created, whether it be, you know, lighting Shabbat candles or, you know, some sort of service or something that, that you do on a regular basis to, to celebrate your Judaism with your family? So I'd say two things in particular, Zach. One, I think Shabbat dinner is the greatest creation of the Jewish people. So um, we gather at frequently my Shabbat table or the Shabbat tables of my children because the moment to catch your breath, regroup, and be together is just incredibly important to me and to my kids and now my grandkids. And that was my childhood, no matter what was going on. And we were a very small minority. So to participate in life and any of our schools, there was tons of things happening on Friday night, but we never missed a Friday night dinner. And um, I'm, ve I'm very grateful for that. And really, to be honest, a lot of singing. We all sing. My husband and I sing. All five of my children sing. My in-law children sing. So um, our Jewish tradition is steeped in song. And that's brought all of us a lot of joy. Well, I'm sure your singing table is much better than my family's singling, singing <laughs> table. But my, my fiance can sing. So maybe she'll she'll bring it into the fold. Um, before, before we wrap up the interview, are there any 
final, you know, once again, this this uh, series is focused on uh, talking about the Federation, highlighting cabinet and cabinet alums about why they choose to give their time to, to the Jewish community with all the possibilities of what they can do. Is there anything that you wish to share that we weren't able to touch upon? Um, I'll say a couple of things. One, I'm intensely grateful for it. It's a it's a connector. It's a shared value system. It's a leadership experience that I'm deeply appreciative of. But I think I'd also lend a cautionary tale, which is I watch in a room of leaders, some people who came to their leadership or their engagement in the Jewish community later, who um, wince when, when a whole group of people are talking about the fact that they were all on cabinet. So I would sort of end with a sensitivity, which is everybody didn't get asked. And some people didn't find their way to the Federation world until past cabinet eligibility. So always be a little sensitive to that, as proud as you are to think about who in the room maybe didn't have that opportunity. Well, Julie, we are so grateful for you uh, taking your time as well as for sharing your vision of what you hope to uh, do as uh, the new incoming chair of the JFNA. You have an ambitious and exciting time ahead of you with uh, a lot to achieve. So, you know, we're all here supporting, rooting for you and willing and able in any way to be to be a part of your vision uh, and be helpful and really appreciate you sharing your thoughts with us. Thank you so much for having me, Zach. Thanks so much. Shalom. It's Lindsay Glantz. And Aaron Carabell. And we are the 2021-2022 co-chairs of National Young Leadership Cabinet. We hope you enjoyed getting to know our Evra. Stay tuned for our next installment of Clever Connect. Through the Zooms and the frozen time, leaders step up.